to the Culture Cave. I'm Anthony. 1899 is a buzz around here, and we are going to be going through it episode by episode. Um, if you haven't seen the channel before, we did it with Dark. I'll put a link maybe in the comments, because uh, if you're a fan of this, you're probably a fan of Dark. So go and follow our journey through that as well. We're going to be breaking down, going into depth, more depth than anyone else goes into, I can promise you that. To begin, I'm going to let Conrad take the stage. He's pre-recorded his thoughts prior to watching the episode. A new thing we're doing, Conrad's pre-thoughts, we'll call them. Conrad? Yeah. Take it away. Hello there, Conrad here. Um, welcome to the Couch Cave and welcome to our exciting new series of the After Dark podcast. Uh, we're doing 1899 this time round, just in case you haven't been paying attention. Um, that's that's what we do here around these parts. So um, we thought for this series, because we've been looking forward to it so much, that we do something a little bit different to what we've done before. And that is essentially that before each episode, I would give my thoughts on what I think is going to happen. And then maybe after each episode, I'd give a quick kind of summary of what I thought and um, and also what I expected to see in the next episode. Now, full disclosure, um, we came up with this idea after I'd seen the first episode. So I'm going to this part of this video is going to be me trying to recall what I thought was going to be in this episode before I actually watched it. Um, so, I knew there was going to be a boat in it. I was fairly certain of that because I'd seen, you know, promotional material or whatever that had a big boat in it. Um, I knew that Andreas Pietschmann, who played uh, middle Jonas in Dark, obviously, as I'm sure he's been in loads of other stuff as well, but that's what I know him from. Um, I knew he was going to turn up. I didn't know as what or as what character. And I knew that White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane uh, was going to play in it at some point. Um, that was spoiled for me because of a wrestler called Bray Wyatt, whose return was teased for a long time in WWE, and they used that song. And I was watching videos of his return being teased, and it led me to video titles talking about White Rabbit's use in 1899, which is... Um, uh, in retrospect, that was slightly disappointing because <laughs> I would have really enjoyed to have been surprised by that. But never mind. But anyway, yeah, so that's what I thought about this episode going into it. I was really clueless. I haven't watched any other promotional material. I've not watched any trailers. I've not watched any of Anthony's videos. Um, I've not looked at any comments. So I'm going in completely blind. And yeah, I can't wait to see what happens in the rest of 1899. So see you there in the main episode. Hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Do you like 1899? Well, as well as these breakdown videos, we also do theories, unanswered questions, and plenty more. Subscribe so you don't miss it. For the first time in a long time, I'm going to say, the episode opens. Oh, we're back, Conrad. Okay. Crowd roars. <laughs> Crowd roars. So the episode opens, Conrad, uh, with lots of lots of stuff now i don't usually do this yes. uh but i'm just gonna maybe throw this to you for the intro uh, and then i'll okay I'll, I'll i'll mop up the the uh the sloppy seconds after because there's a lot I'm going leaving. on here and i want i want to get your opinion because you you haven't seen the show i've seen the show i want to get your opinion no. on what's going on here one thing i would like to say right off the bat immediately a point for conrad and the old theory matrix and that is back uh i knew the series would have a boat in it and there you go opening sequence there's a boat <laughs> Yo, so, you put that theory in before you started <laughs> also that was that was in there that's been that's been locked in for about eight months <laughs> number one with a book um the other thing that really struck me is and i i had an inkling 
that it was going to be it was going to feature this but i didn't actually know until i started watching the episode is that uh someone speaking english at the beginning which um aside from uh what was it like mickle saying ultimate fist bump yeah, yeah, yeah. and and Bartol saying jackpot. Not used to English speaking um, in in Barbado and Yon Chafris stuff. Yeah. So that was fun. But- yeah. So it is it basically just uh, it, it is going to be sort of the, that's a big feature of the show is is the multinational nature of it. Um, and I think English yeah. would probably be classed as the main language, uh, at least for me anyway. I'm sure if you're from France, you'll view that as the main language because yeah. you know there's lots of different languages. Um, but yeah, so. So that's the case, Conrad. Uh, you better get used to it. You, we have to pop in and out of of different languages yeah. in this. How do you feel about that? My, uh, I've switched my polyglot brain on. It's fine. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable with lots of different languages. That's not true. I can't speak any other languages apart from German badly. Yeah, the introductory sequence is a lot. I had to watch this. I, 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 I've completely um, gone back on my stance of not watching things. Hold on, I'm gonna move this cat. We're gonna, we're gonna have an indie here. <laughs> There you go. There's an indie for the camera. Away with you. <laughs> Away with you. Right. So, um, yeah. So I've I've already kind of walked back my um, stance that I had towards the end of Dark, where I was like, I'm gonna watch this as I would have watched it, um, or as like kind of a viewing experience. Yeah. So I'm like not gonna rewind things. I'm not gonna like overanalyze. I'm still trying not to like go too crazy with that but there was so much going on in this opening sequence that yeah. i was like hold on all right hold your horses guys <laughs> like let's let's rewind this a little bit so um yeah we've got the poem being read which i didn't i didn't actually write down word for word but it's about like the brain being deeper than the sea and wider than the ocean or some something like that oh yeah okay uh, so um it's so basically it's a poem that goes the brain is wider than the sky for put them side by side the one will uh, the one the other will contain with ease and yeah. you beside the brain is deeper than the sea for hold them blue to blue the one the other will absorb as sponges buckets do yeah that's what so, there mean, is more to the poem but and i'm but that is what is in the show so that's all i'm going to read to you is it is it so it's a real poem then it's not it's not the verse that was written for the show uh it is a real poem. It's by Emily Dickinson. So if if you want to sort of, oh, okay. yeah, if you right. want to, if you, it's up to you, like whatever you want to do. If you want to look that up and then and then theorize whatever you want to do, but uh, yeah, it is a real poem. Okay, so we get that being read. The things we see in this opening sequence, we see like a water spout, like one of the um, one of those like kind of uh, what? Well, it's a water spout. It's like a sort of a watery twister in the ocean that you get. That's like I think it's something to do with like pressure changes, and it gets sucked up, and it looks like a bit like a hurricane on the ocean. All right, okay, you know more than me. I just go whirlpool. I don't know. Well, we get a whirlpool as well. Like a water spout is like oh, okay, a yeah. reverse whirlpool because it's going up into the sky rather than down into the um, oh, okay, down into okay. the gotcha, earth. gotcha. Um, so um, yeah, we get the water spout. We get an old manor house in the mountains that I presume is where Moira and Maester Kyber, Mora, her dad, Mora. Uh, was it Mora? Oh, I've written Moira every single time in my notes here. So that's <laughs> that's living in Ireland. That's what's done that. Um, <laughs> well, it is an Irish name as well. <laughs> Moira. Moira and <laughs> yeah. Moira are both Irish names, funnily enough. Okay. Uh, well, so I'll do my best not to call her Moira for the rest of this episode, but <laughs> I make no problem. Fair enough. Um, but, but yeah, so the manor house in the like mountains, it looks kind of like Scandinavia. It might be, it could be like, I don't know, Scottish Highlands or something like that. Um, but um yeah, we see this manor house in the mountains that presumably is like the the facility where she is being kept. Mm-hmm. We see a pyramid, a black pyramid somewhere snowy, which is what made me think that manor house is maybe in Scandinavia because that didn't look like 
um, the UK with that level of snow, uh, and then a whirlpool that leads into some kind of like sanitarium or mental institution where Maester Kyburn. I haven't looked up the actor's name. I just know him as Maester Kyburn. Anton Lesser um, is his name. Okay, nice. Well, yeah. So he's up to no good. As usual, this guy. As usual. Yeah, he's got a face for it. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. You know, he's got a face for evil. So, um, yeah, and she's screaming that she knows what happened to the Prometheus and what he did to their brother. Um, and then says, "Why don't I remember?" And then gets told to wake up, and she wakes yeah. up, wake up in or she put dragged to, to room one one oh one, which. I went down a really deep rabbit hole with that. Oh, really? Uh, episode, and then we get to the end. So <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna say it now. I won't go too deep into it because we've got a lot of episode to cover here. Yeah. But I have got like five pages of notes here. Um, she gets dragged into room one one zero one, and I was like, is that binary? And then I, I I was like, okay, so that's the binary code for thirteen. Um, what which, did you say? One one zero one. Yeah, one one zero one. I think. Oh, okay is the room number she's dragged into all right so i went down this massive hole but like oh that's binary like that's 13 in binary which is obviously an unlucky number and then i was like oh she said these ships plural so i assume there have been at least 13 and kerberos is the 13th ship but it was immediately scuffed well not immediately by the end of the episode it was completely scuffered by the stairway coming on board and getting going into i think it's room one one I've got it in my notes, but I have not scrolled. One three, I think. But something like I think it's yeah, so it's I, I, I need to check that uh, that number from back in back in the mental institution because I'm pretty sure it was one o one one, which is the binary for eleven, not thirteen. I, I think you've got. It might be one. You, it might be you've one reversed one, it, <laughs> and you yeah. went down this thirteen rabbit hole, like massive rabbit hole. But like. Either way, it could be. <laughs> I don't. Now, I will say to the say to the listeners, I don't usually burst Conrad's bubble like that, but yeah. but I think it's just so. I couldn't help but mention. I think I think you have actually, unless there is a frame where it's reversed for whatever reason. But I think it's. I no. I I kept on writing down that number incorrectly throughout. I was like, is it one zero one one or one one zero one? But I mean, you know. Whichever way, it's not binary at the end of the day, anyways. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they added in a three. Yeah, they actually added in a three because I think it's like one o one three because it's like the next door down. So they they follow like the house number system where like the opposite was probably one o one two, like the first floor thirteenth room or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there might be there might be some stuff in the number, but um, but yeah. So it is what it is. Yeah, but um, yeah. So uh, other stuff in this, obviously the Prometheus. There's a lot of Greek going on in this episode. Um, Prometheus, you know, stealing fire from the gods or perhaps being punished for them uh, or by them for a past transgression. We don't actually know. Yeah, cause, uh, this because world. basically she screams out, uh, where is my brother? What did you do? He was on the Prometheus. Um, so that's yes. that's what she found out. Um, and then, yeah, so so the, you, you think that the Greek sim- symbolism is going to be big here? Yeah, I mean, you don't call one of your ships the Prometheus and the other one the Kerberos without some indication. So I'm just stopping a cat from getting on the desk. Get off you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like now that he chooses... He, he's not had any interaction with me for most of the day, and now he's like, well, Conrad's up to something. So I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, i got to scuffle that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you don't, you don't call ships in your thing the Prometheus and the Kerberos mm-hmm. without some knowledge of yeah. you know greek myths you're playing into there and i also think um 
you know, in Dark, there was all the Ariadne stuff as well. Obviously, these creators love uh, love Greek myths. And, you know, you're right. They don't, you don't call a ship Kerberos and another one Prometheus unless you want to, you want to delve into that the symbolism there. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. there we go. That's the opening. Um, pretty crazy stuff. You have to rewind it multiple times. There's loads load of stuff to realize. And then, uh, basically, what happens is she wakes up uh, and, uh, yeah. and she's sort of still got her... Um, bruises or what would you call them like lesions or cuts on her on her wrists from yeah the, the, yeah like bruises are like i guess yeah from, from the belt but, i mean it's definitely like the yeah the straps on the on the arms that that's done that yeah and then she picks up a uh, newspaper reads about the steamships uh prometheus has been lost for at least uh four months um yes yes so then she also at this point reads a letter um which says mm. i found out what fa- our father did Meet me in New York. Don't trust anyone. Your brother. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so it took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to realize that Henry wasn't her brother because that's who the letter was addressed <laughs> to. Uh, like I say, I again, I wasn't. I didn't start very well with this. I was like Henry, and like stuff. This is why I can't go into like granular detail and like rewind because I just confuse myself and make silly mistakes. So um, I think it was later in the episode when is it Ike? Is that how you pronounce Andreas Peachman's character? Ike, yeah, I don't know why. With a lot of my yeah. theories, I was calling him Eek, which is really stupid, obviously. So he's, he is Ike, yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it's later in the episode, much later in the episode. In fact, it's probably about halfway through um, when Captain Ike uh, reveals that he also has a very similar, or in fact, pretty much identical uh, letter yeah. to uh, to Mora that I realised, oh, Henry's not <laughs> Henry's not her brother. <laughs> Like this is <laughs> unless she has another brother, or maybe she'd have to have. No, so hold on. Yeah, she'd have to have two brothers because <laughs> this the letter would have to be from the brother that's missing to her other brother yeah, Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's intercepted. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Unless he was just like writing a letter to himself, uh, and he yeah, maybe to it was like one of those brother. like it's like I'm te- pe- yeah, he's pepping himself up. Technically, he's like, things are going great for me. Yeah, <laughs> you do know what Dad did. You do. You confront yeah. him about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You are strong and confident, <laughs> and you can do it. Okay, so um, she walks uh, out and has a look at the ocean. Um, this is one thing, like from the trailers. Uh, you know, obviously Conrad didn't watch any trailers, but from the trailers, like this scene of in, the, in this little room where she was like talking to herself in the mirror, saying, "I'm Maura Franklin, born in Moorfield. I'm not crazy." That little part in the trailer um, was actually in just in the room, but I personally when i watched it didn't get the sense that she was already on the boat i don't know why but she was uh yeah. what did you think about her psyching herself up walking out looking at the ocean yeah i, I thought it was a, a great introduction to the character you get these the these little kind of like bits of um like diagenic diegetic storytelling um with um like her book on uh, well, her, her images of the human brain mm-hmm. and um which obviously kind of plays into the I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to use the word inception. Yeah. Okay. But but there, there were definitely the idea of like someone being to, like told to wake up mm. and then a entire narrative playing out with that as the framing device put me in mind of something like Inception, where it's like, is this all being constructed within uh, Mora's Mora's memory or something like that? Which we'll go into a bit more later. Okay. But um, but yeah. So the, the the images of the human brain. Obviously, she's a doctor who studies the human brain so there's like a practical reason for it but there's also the possibility that it's pointing at something more than that and then also there's just a very cool um little bit of set dressing with the uh 
the book The Awakening by Kate. I don't know how you pronounce the surname. It's spelled like Chopin, the the uh, Polish composer. Chopin. But it was Chopin, sure. Kate Chopin. <laughs> um, but it was uh, published in 1899. It's like an early feminist novel about oh, women, cool. like a woman's unorthodox views mm-hmm. on like femininity and motherhood in the American South. Um, so I think that's giving us a sense of Mora's uh mora as a a woman during this time and maybe also her stance her like stance on like maternity as well but it's like it's a really cool introduction to the character because they tell you so much without ever really having to bash you over the head with it yeah yeah awesome uh yeah yeah great analysis there conrad well done little uh gold star for you thanks but um the as she walks out what did you think of the score it starts swelling like yeah it was like oh okay yeah this is by the same guys <laughs> like i actually wrote down uh, i wrote down is it literally the same composer that did the music for dark yeah um because i didn't i didn't check but i'm like 90 with a sight unseen i'm like this must be the same composer as dark surely. yeah it was ben frost yeah yeah same composer yeah, okay and then obviously as with the composer it is also coupled the fantastic licensed music what did yeah. you feel about the the uh, opening credits of this show with uh, the Jefferson airplane uh, playing it's obviously a very spooky remix of it. So I I was actually I, I was taken by surprise by this because I knew as I, as I've said in the 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 introductory thing I knew that White Rabbit was going to be in this because mm-hmm. uh, of the Bray Wyatt spoilers <laughs> that I experienced but I didn't know I thought it was well I mean I th- the the literal song is in this episode mm-hmm. um but uh, oh I think it is yeah it is it's at the end like um the the montage at the end they play the actual song yeah so um I knew that was going to be in it I didn't know that a cover of it was going to be the the credits song um so yeah that was a really nice surprise and it's a really cool version as well very ambient very very haunting yeah. um which which I was very into yeah and um like will not I, I don't think right now we'll go into like the actual content of the of the opening credits um if there's something you want to talk about that in, in future that's fine but there's gonna be a lot of this like there's a lot of setup in this first episode so it's gonna be quite a detailed uh episode so i want to sort of skip on past that is that all right yeah that's fine well but the only thing i'll mention mm-hmm. because it comes up in this episode is the ship she's on is the kerberos which we've kind of said before and obviously mm-hmm. kerberos is the greek spelling of cerberus who guards the gates of the underworld and also prevent shades from escaping which had me being like hmm are these people alive or is this in is this all a memory like is this gonna end with like the ship sinking and everyone but more are dying or something like that but yeah interesting it's, that, that's that's what it put me in mind of interesting okay um all right awesome uh so there's all oh, theories cooking away there already um we oh, yeah we jump into the engine room and we get our first little bit of uh sort of other other language dialogue um well we start with english guys and then they and they yeah they're talking about the prometheus it's all you know the, the topic is a, is, is a buzz around the boat they talk about the prometheus has been lost for four months uh they yell at a polish guy uh polak they call yeah, I him thought that, i thought that was um i thought that was the actor who played Jonas when i first saw him i was like <laughs> i can't remember, i can't remember his name now Jonas, oh uh then, lewis hoffman yeah lewis hoffman that's it yeah i was like oh it's lewis hoffman he's back and i was like oh that's not lewis hoffman if anything <laughs> And I don't mean this as an insult to Lewis Hoffman, but a slight upgrade in the handsome department. Ooh. Like this sort of immediately a handsome shirtless Polish man for <laughs> the, for the audience at home. Yeah, they put um, they, they 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 saw him walk in the cast room. And they're like, "You're the engine room, buddy." Uh, <laughs> yeah, we need you oiled up and shirtless. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a good introduction. To, and also, uh, in this scene, if Dark has taught us anything. 
it's the characters with enormous back tattoos suggestively <laughs> positioning their back to camera so you can see exactly what the tattoo is means something. That's, that's like, listen, this isn't my first rodeo, okay? Like, I, I think I know a little thing or two about what you're trying to do here. And um, one of the, one of the, I think he was, he was English, one of the English guys yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who's being racist to, to Oleg, um, he has like, it's like a boat, like a rowing boat being flipped in the air by a massive fin. And I, I assume it's like a Moby Dick tattoo because it kind of reminded me of Moby Dick, which makes me think, you know, it, it asks questions like, oh, what white whale are they pursuing? I wonder. And, you know, what's, uh, you know, who, who is going to be the Ahab in this situation? Like, is it is it Ike? Is it someone else? But it, yeah, definitely gets the mind, the mind racing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They always drop in loaded details to get your mind racing, these creators. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh, Go up the steps into the coal feeder. Try to, you know, bang, bang, bang. There's a hint of a little jumpy scare thing going on as well. Yeah. Um, he has a postcard from New York. Any, any, anything major stand out for you here? It's just a nice little introduction to a character. Yeah, not really. I think the postcard from New York is kind of building the character's motivations, but but nothing, nothing like major really, apart from what we've already said. Okay, so we're we're at breakfast. We're uh, we have. Yep. We have like the upper class now, so that was like the engine room uh, workers. We're now in the upper class of the of the of the ship, and we are sort of there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in this breakfast. Okay, there's there's a, a newlywed couple who seem to be not getting along very well. Lucien, no. uh, the French uh, man, is staring at the geisha who's sitting there. Uh, there is also um, a, there is a Spanish man with his brother. Who is exclaiming that doesn't matter how loud he yells, no one can understand him anyway. There's a lot going on here, Conrad. Yeah, and I think we kind of joked about this beforehand, and I'm, I was just going to mention it now that I think this is the moment that a lot of people, myself included, realised they were accidentally watching the dub of this, uh, <laughs> of this TV show because <laughs> you see the French couple speaking, and it's like, oh, that's yeah, they're not speaking English. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, let me go to the audio. That setting. happened to us as well. Um, Literally happened to us as yeah. well. Yeah, I it was it, yeah. I I'd like I'd love to see the statistics. Netflix will never release that stuff because they're cowards. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the uh, true statistics we all want to know. Who watched yeah, the first ten minutes? How many yeah. how many people changed the audio at that exact moment? Um. So yes, I I like I. It's fun. It was funny watching this scene because I I am always uh I always try to be sensitive to doing things that will get me cancelled because as uh, you know I, that, that I'm I'm of the I'm of the demographic that gets cancelled. Let's be honest, because and rightfully so. So um, <laughs> the Cantonese woman and her handmaiden. I was like, she looks like she's dressed as a geisha, which is not like mm -hmm. a Cantonese thing. That's a Japanese thing. And I kind of tentatively wrote it down, but I was also like, I'm gonna keep that one on the DL just in case it turns out that I don't know anything about geishas <laughs> and Japanese culture. But by the end of this episode, I mean, he, I kind of wrote the theory down that like, oh, the Cantonese woman is dressed as a geisha, but isn't who she seems. Yeah, yeah. And I think by the end of this episode, that's more or less like we're on we're on the path to that uh, to that being proven to be the case because she's obviously pretending to be Japanese. Yeah, um, yeah. What's interesting to me about that is that whenever I was theorizing about the show, um, obviously I, I knew the character was from, from Hong Kong. No, the actor was from Hong Kong and the character was wearing geisha clothes. So therefore... Everyone was just like, this is crazy. Why are they making a Hong Kong? You know, there was a little discussion about it, right? And I was yeah. like, I went the other way than you. I was kind of like, yeah, like I understand. But that, I was like, there's no way they would do that, right? There's no way they would just have a actress, actress from Hong Kong play a Japanese woman. So then I was like, there must be some more to it. And then where I was, I then looked up the history of geishas. And I actually found out that geishas originally actually did start in like 
China, but they were called concubines, I believe. So like that, the, the actual yeah. like roots of geishas actually does is in China. Funny enough, that's that's what my research told me. And then I so I did all this research. I was like, guys, guys, like come on, it actually might be a Chinese, uh, you know, Hong Kong character, character from Hong Kong. And then all of a sudden. You know, it is a character from Hong Kong, but they are pretending to be Japanese. So I like did all this research for no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, yeah. So you, you came at it from a different angle, but we all ended up at the same at the same <laughs> yeah. conclusion by the end of this episode, effectively. Um, yeah. So um, the other thing that I really enjoyed um, about this is the questions that it poses okay. about the ship and its passage, because and and it's not impossible, but. Where on earth did this ship set off from that it has passengers from England, Poland, France, Spain, Germany, and China? <laughs> like, and I'm sure I don't. I'm not saying this is like this is ridiculous. What a what a plot hole here, Yoncha. But um, I, I'm sure it's going to be explained. But I, and, and I think it's more it, like there's uh, this this episode works really well as like. Um, uh, like with like when you just like kind of view it as something that shows you like the interpersonal drama of the people on the ship mm-hmm. but with that framing device we saw at the beginning plus all these like weird little things about this ship where it's like there's i guess maybe there was like a cantonese woman who traveled to western europe to travel out <laughs> to new york but it seems very unlikely to me so yeah there's some there's some there's some odd origins uh for for the kerberos that i think are kind of really cemented um cemented in this scene and then obviously we find out that Mora um is is a doctor but women are limited in England yeah. um as to as to how they can practice yeah, so they can't really practice in England but they can study so she she by all accounts is a doctor but she's not really practiced before there, there is a little chat with uh the woman in the green dress called Mrs Wilson about yeah she she's trouble she's trouble <laughs> so, <laughs> she's trouble <laughs> yeah, she so she she says a few things about well they start talking about the brain and uh Mora says some stuff about the brain anything of that standing out to you quickly well again like I mean my my big theory that came out of this episode, and you know you know me, I, sometimes I like a big swing yeah. on the on, <laughs> on the theory matrix, and like coming out of this episode, I was like, I'm fairly sure that everything that we are seeing is a memory that Moira has, and Moira, uh, Moira, but see, I told you to do it, I said I'd do it, uh, like, a memory that Moira has, and her dad is like, I, I think he's like running a shipping company, and is sending. I don't know why it's members of his family. That doesn't seem to check out. But he 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 is like sending ships past the, a certain place or through certain coordinates, like the Bermuda Triangle or something like that. It because he knows that they will experience some kind of anomaly. Mm-hmm. And Mora has has gone through this process on the Kerberos and is in uh, and is now being like having her memory tapped and studied to try and understand what. Like or, or to try and get a better look at what has occurred during this this like this experience that she's gone through. So I think that's where all these all the, like this talk about the brain or the pictures of the brain or that stuff comes from because all of this is happening inside Mora's head. That's that's my big swing for a theory coming out this first episode. But interesting. Uh, okay, very interesting. Obviously, I can see where where the breadcrumbs led there for you. 
Um, before we leave this uh, this scene, Connor, I just want to say maybe one point of my own here. I thought it was really, really cool um, uh, and, a, and a really uh, sort of good point that they made. Whenever they, the first thing you hear the upper class packed with passengers talking about, it's the French couple and they're talking about the Prometheus and it went missing and what could possibly happen. Yeah. And I really think that that was on purpose because that was the first thing we also heard the engine room workers talking about. And I think that's a comment that even though these people are separated by class and money, we, we're, we're all human beings and we're, and we're all wondering the same things and we're all talking about the same things. And therefore, there's not really that much of a divide between us. That's, that's, the, that's what I got from that. Yeah, I think um, you're onto something there. I also think that I had a weird theory like towards the end of this episode, mm-hmm. which is that a lot of people have like facial scarring in this as well, like not necessarily just like the the people in the engine room or in, in the like kind of middle decks where the working class are kept. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I actually can't think of any now off the top of my head, but I, well, the captain like Ike yeah, definitely yeah. has facial scars. Um, so and I feel like that's maybe a, a kind of visual clue as to or not or, or something that's visually meant to reaffirm that these people are all all like kind of bear these scars and are, and are not not actually as different as maybe as maybe society and like class structures would would have you uh, would have you believe. Yeah. Um, also, the one thing I feel like we have to mention this about the scene um, because. That that this was a big moment in this episode. Where I was like, "Uh, what?" Um, <laughs> where everyone takes a drink, for, like uh, the oh, the, yeah. the woman in green, what's her name, Mrs. Wilson. You yeah, said. that's what she's yeah. yeah, so she takes a drink from her teacup, and everyone else in the room does it at the same time. And as soon as that happened, I was like, mm, "Okay, all right, <laughs> something's, something's going on." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is a big like sort of uh, you know moment where you you think something isn't right. Um, okay, so. Uh, that was also a big moment of the trailer, I will say as well, uh, which you didn't see. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, next one is the doctor scene because uh, a young uh, Danish man runs in with a scar on his face as well. Uh, runs yep. in and he uh, says, "We need a doctor. We need a doctor." No one can understand him. Uh, there's a slight theme in this episode of men uh, who are capable of doing something, not doing anything. So the doctor who they pointed out it was Doctor. What was his name? Reginald somebody or other. It doesn't really matter to be honest with you. He. Um, he didn't do anything. It doesn't seem like he's going to be an important character. Maybe he yeah, will. He's, he's he literally just doesn't do anything. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so Mora actually got up and went and followed this man called Cresta. It turns out and leads that leads uh, Mora down into the lower deck of the ship to the lower class, uh, where mm-hmm. um, where I think it's third class passengers. I can't remember exactly what they said, but where there's a pregnant woman and Mora has to turn the baby. Conrad, what do you think? Yes. Uh, I didn't. This is exposing the fact that I'm not a parent and clearly don't know the first thing about childbirth. I didn't know you turn babies by like pushing on the bump. I assumed it was like kind of done with like forceps internally or something like that. But I guess I guess you can't really get up that far. Like, yeah. So to, even to even it, to this yeah even to this day, uh, it's a very it's actually a very risky procedure. Um, and when you before you so basically. It's whenever a baby is like breech, you have to. Sometimes you have the option of turning the baby like that, but there is a chance that it will miscarry the baby, um, and therefore, some a lot of people who are breech decide to um, to have a cesarean instead. So, what yeah. what actually was happening there was really really risky. Uh, yeah, yeah, but she did well. But, she um, did well. Yeah, it, yeah, she did a good job. Um, and uh, no thanks to uh, the older Danish lady. Oh yeah, talking about how it wasn't right Mads and Mikkelsen. calling it God's child. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's uh, <laughs> what like the Mads Mikkelsen looking fella. Like he was fine. No, he no, was no. Just, Mads like, Mikkelsen looking woman. The mother of the Danish family looks like Mads Mikkelsen. Next time you see her, wait till oh, you see. Okay, I, I thought you were talking about the old, the older fella. I thought, I thought I'd missed that he looked like Mads. I'll look out for it next episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see if I can spot the Mads. But um, yeah, she wasn't being very supportive, and she was also saying it was God's child, which sounds a little ominous. If I'm gonna be <laughs> be honest, like. <laughs> It's not a it's not a great sign where people are like this is going to be the Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't you understand if we don't pro- turn this baby, then you're just killing God's child. What's your problem? Yeah, exactly. If anything, you should be supporting her. <laughs> um but yeah, so she seems a she seems a bit nuts. Um but uh, but yeah, Mora did a good job. Um and we get the it's not actually in this scene, um, so I won't go into it too much, but um but yeah, we get the uh like the aftermath as well where she um Yeah, we can talk about that now. Kind of she talks with the with the, the Danish folks and gets given gets given across and we see Yeah interesting images flashing in her flashing in her Yeah, so um, the little girl says she wants to be a doctor when she could obviously Maura can't understand what she's saying and starts getting freaked out. Um, says, um, I'm looking no, I want to be a doctor when I grow up just like you and then she puts her hand on her womb and says, uh, you know, do you do you have any children? And when that happens, Conrad, what happens? So she she imag- so okay, so she sees wrist straps and injections, which I think we know where that's that's mm-hmm. all taking place. Um and it also implies that she's starting to remember what her father is doing uh, to her in these loops as a result of what she's experiencing here, which is an odd connection for the brain to make. I'm not sure exactly why this kind of brush with childbirth is the is the thing that that makes her start thinking about, uh, you know, her her being captive or whatever it is mm-hmm. that that is happening her in in. I keep saying the real world. I've I've got no evidence to suggest that is the real world, but it just it feels like. You wouldn't have that framing device at the beginning of the episode unless you're you're dealing with like different levels of consciousness within a brain or something. Um, but she also imagines sex with presumably someone she was married to. Oh, there's uh, a little brush like of a... the hair, isn't there? That well, is that there's like a hand with a ring on it, and it seems like two people kind of okay, entwined. yeah, yeah. Like but I think kind of... yeah, 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 fair enough. Well, it just shows what we're focusing on because it is a very short flash. Um, yeah, I think I think her hand with the ring is in someone's hair. I think yeah. Oh, okay, which, fine. Which no, um, no, but could imply you know some some coitus happening. Intimacy. Yeah, int- intimacy. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, but to me also implies that. Uh, this marriage did not end happily, given its memory share space in her head with being effectively tortured. Uh, I mean, that's, is, a, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and obviously also uh, bu- bug in hand, which I think is going to be based on what we see in this episode. Seems like it's going to be a, a recurring theme in 1899. <laughs> people hand. with weird little bugs that can unlock doors for some reason. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not, eh? Yeah. Right, okay. So uh, that was brilliant. So one thing we did uh, a little skip over there was just the, the, the newlyweds, Trouble in Paradise. Um, oh, can't... Fully clothed sex. Good Lord. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Okay. They're just not into it at all. Well, what I found it really, really interesting about this scene, uh, sort of the only thing I really think we should be talking about here, well, one thing, obviously, is that, you know, they couldn't actually do the deed. The other thing is, which I think is really in- interesting, is that sort of the husband is sort of blaming her, uh, Clements. Clements is the uh, yeah. name of the, the girl, uh, the woman. Uh, and so blaming her, and then whenever he blames her walks out, the change of expression in her face... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I was like, you sly dog. Like, she... It's it's, pro- it's kind of like... 
it's almost overacted, but not. It's just the right side of overacting yeah, for yeah. me. Where like it might like the camera might as well have zoomed in and got like bam, bam, bam <laughs> on her face as she did it. It was great. I loved it. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool. Um, okay, so we'll sort of we'll watch that to see how that develops. When uh, yeah. Mora find finds her way out to the uh, the outer deck, when she's sort of panicking, and then she um, she's able to calm down. That's when Ike uh, first appears in the show, and he approaches her. Yeah. And straight away, he seems to be quite taken with her. I'm not sure if I would say that there's initial any romantic things going on or sort of feelings there, but definitely he seems to be interested in her. Yeah, this is. I mean, you know, there's some chemistry. There's some chemistry there. And uh, <laughs> who it wouldn't was, have like, chemistry just, with Andreas? Let's be honest. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this was a, like uh, it was so great to see him in something again. This was like when Captain America shows up in Infinity War for me. I was like, ah, oh, Andreas, <laughs> yeah, it's great yeah. to have you back. And looking well, I have to say, like that um that, that ship's uniform suits him. Yeah, he's he's really, um, really cool. I will say as well that Andreas um uh was like one of the only actors from Dark in this. There is one other one yeah. in this episode, which I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna really, really love uh, talking to you about that later. But um yeah, oh, so, wow, I'm trying to think who that so is now. That's Andreas gonna... said that in, in, in some behind the scenes uh things, no spoilers here obviously, but uh he said that um whenever they were working on eighteen ninety nine, he sort of they told him that they wanted distance from dark, they wanted to work with new people, new ideas, right? These yeah. these two creators are artists, they they want they want to sort of experience something new. And then after like sort of a few months or whatever, they rang him up and said We've had enough. Ex- we've had enough uh, distance from dark now. We want you to star in the show. <laughs> so it's brilliant. Uh, Andres, we're getting the band back yeah. together. It's like uh, Gordon Bombay <laughs> with the duck whistle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. like. Well, I mean, listen. There's still plenty of time. Like, I'm assuming 1899 is going to have other seasons after season three, one. It's planned for. Get three. them back. Get Bartos back in. That's what I'm <laughs> Get Bartos with his yeah, with his fake beard. Middle like young Bartos with his fake beard. That's what I want to see in this show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want um, to see too. So not to assassinate his character, but um when when he when Andreas turns when Ike turns up, um he's obviously drinking. But I was uh, I was initially unsure if it was a bottle of booze or urine, and I was like, I hope he's not drinking either of those, to be honest. Um I also think and I'm sure uh, this this maybe is more just a, on the kind of symbolism end of things than what is literally happening. But I'm still I'm unsure. He's the captain of this ship that's called the Kerberos, which is a, a guardian of the underworld mm-hmm. that appears to have set off from unknown origins, carrying people who are all running away from something, and he's wearing all black. And it's sort of like, okay. I think I, I think I sense a metaphor in in, in, the, in the, the clothes choice that you're wearing here, Andreas. Um, maybe uh, I can't remember his name now. The 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 ferryman who uh, oh Caron, Caron, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, maybe that kind of situation where he's you know ferrying people across the river Styx or whatever to uh, continue the the Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's definitely the sense I got from him. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. I, I, you know me, like even from dark, I love the Greek mythology stuff. So I, I'll like yeah. I'll find places for Greek, Greek mythology to fit, even when it doesn't. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. I'm watching Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah, and I'm absolutely. like, that's just like Theseus. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, then, last thing in this little scene is uh, he receives a message. Um, they assume it's from the lost ship. It's his coordinates. Yeah, I've seen Alien, all right? I know what happens when you get coordinates sending you somewhere mysterious, all right? It won't end well. And <laughs> as much as they may be, ca- may be cowards, um, his two boys, who I'm going to call Mustache Adam Driver and Beard Simon Pegg, 
because that's exactly what those two characters look like the two like kind of underlings the the, um, see the beards simon no no sorry no, no. yeah i know yeah. There's, there's john moxley there's one called there's john moxley who i'm like okay that guy's john moxley, john moxley is he the, the big guy with the big beard with yeah the shaved head and the big beard. right so that's, that's john moxley. that's the guy who was in dark by the way that, that character's dark? called Franz. He was in Dark. So I don't want to go too much detail into, this, into the scene because obviously, spoilers, but also I don't want to relive it. It's the scene in the caravan in season three when a particular young blonde girl... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Well, he's a bit of a ruffian in this one as well. I think it's, I think it's fair to say. I like him in this because he looks like John Moxley, who is a very good wrestler. Like, yeah. So I was like, all right. And obviously, because it's the first episode of watching a TV show, I, 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 I to demonstrate that I'm taking it seriously, I immediately attribute nicknames to all of the characters. Yeah. So he's John Moxley, <laughs> and then we've got Mustache Adam Driver and Beard Simon Pegg, who are the other two ship's mates. <laughs> and, I think um, I know all the ones yeah. you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'll, I don't think I'm going to learn those characters' names, to be honest. Also, uh, Mustache Adam Driver, isn't he just Gucci? Does he have a mustache in that? Oh, yeah, he- no, yeah, he uh, no, he doesn't have a mustache in that, but he could do. It sort of, like, it sort he, of he has sort the of... feeling of it, doesn't it? Sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, okay, okay. So um, that's the message. Uh, we'll, we'll keep. We'll, we'll watch out for that. We do have a pregnant woman, so Alien is on the cards. Um, so uh, they're at they're at the bridge. The Morse code coordinates are coming through. I wanted to mention something to you, Conrad. Now, not so long ago, people might know from the intro, we were on a boat together, and we remarked <laughs> we remarked at how slow it was going. These people are crossing. These people are crossing the Atlantic Ocean at eighteen knots, which is the equivalent of twenty-one miles per hour. Un- How do you not get so bored on that shit? That's the speed you have to go to not kill a child outside of school. Let's be honest here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think I've literally. I'm not going to say I've definitely done it, but I'm I'm fairly sure I've ridden my bike fast. Like, I mean, I, I have means- faith in you. <laughs> Which means I could I could potentially cross the Atlantic Ocean faster than this fucking ship. Yeah, which... yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially. Um, okay, so they make the decision. I need someone laying track in front of me. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, would... yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to like, psh, you know, like get enough of the heads, like a bit of enough speed to a bike, Jesus my way a bike jet the ski or something. You get like a like a, yeah. a pedal jet ski. I think you'd be able to do it. Be able to do it. So um, they they decide to change the, to uh, turn around, um, which is very divisive. Especially like, straight away, the crew are sort of questioning it. But uh, later on, yeah. we'll see. Um, there's you know there's a big big backlash against this idea. Everyone bloody panics. They, of course, they, like they. you know the the. The the two Spanish bros, they're like, I I I, I do like what is it Ramiro and I can't remember Angel. the old name, Angel yeah, who's like, oh, I'm a wolf, and then he's and then immediately just fucking shits himself as soon as the <laughs> shit turns around. It's like, all right, yeah, nice one, nice one, Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's obviously something going on in the background of those characters where like um they don't want to go, they're worried about turning around to go back to Europe and they don't want to go back. So there's something there. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, the Danish sisters, the old one with who's pregnant, and the younger younger girl talking about it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure Tove and something else. I think their names right. Ada and Tova. Yeah, I think it's Tova, I think it's okay. Tova and Ada, but I, I might be wrong with the pronunciation as well. So I, when I first watched this, right, and the little girl Ada was like telling Tova everything that was happening, and everyone's yeah. out on the deck because you know, we're turning around. Uh, they might have found the other ship and all this. I'm like, who told you this? Like, where, yeah. where, like, how do you know all this? You know, I, I, I think it's probably is it's explainable that you know that the word 
pass through the crew into the lower decks. But at the same time, I'm just like, the captain hasn't hasn't said this yet to the upper class passengers. How do you know this? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really good point, actually. I don't know. She's 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 like uh, she's like Newt. Like she's got you know she's crawling through vents and stuff. In <laughs> yeah, aliens. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like listening to listening to the captain's conversations with one of those like ear horn things that they had for deaf people. Yeah, that's that's the only explanation I have. I will say actually that this little girl with her speech about ghost ships full of people oh, who yeah. sinned by killing a whale linking back to the tattoo on the man in the engine room and were hit with black waves and then turned to shadows. I was like, all right, okay. This is a ghost, this girl. She's a ghost girl, I think, is what... Is what she doesn't I, actually exist. Well, I, no, she died a hundred years ago, I think, and is just kind of like here to spook people. All right, okay, fair enough. That's, that's a good idea. Uh, is that on the theory matrix? No, that's not a real one. I'm not oh, putting that in. That would be... I, can't, I can't afford to... Like, some of these are not definitely not going to be right, so I can't afford to sacrifice points this early. Oh, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I, lo- I love a good crazy theory. If you haven't listened to yeah. our dark podcast, guys, go listen to it. Some of Conrad's theories were mental, although he did basically predict every twist in the show, believe it or not. Yeah. But some of them... The fire from the hip on one of the biggest... <laughs> in the first season and somehow that 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 theory though that kind of went full circle because it was like this is stupid and i'm just gonna say it and then by the end of the series it was like oh okay no this makes perfect sense yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so you thought it was a crazy theory but like oh you know there's all sorts of crazy theories uh conrad's come up with so hoping for more in this one uh okay so mora's cabin she turns over the letter um we see it's addressed to henry we've already talked about that but then it also says what is lost will be found on the back of the letter that's sort of the only extra bit of stuff we get here which I, I mean, it all signs point to that being the Prometheus. I, I do wonder if there's a double meaning there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it seems at this point like it's referring to the Prometheus because obviously that has been lost. Okay, cool. And then uh, Captain's quarters. So we went from Mora's quarters into Captain's quarters. Um, he's looking at a picture of his family. Um, Mora mm-hmm. comes in to visit. They talk about the Prometheus. It sort sort of implies that like you know she obviously she has that letter. So she's thinking like you know maybe there's something going on here. We don't know where her brother is. Who knows? All this stuff going on. And then Ike says, like, did you know someone on the Prometheus? Because she cares about it so much. And then she chickens out and keeps it to herself. And she says, "Uh, no, I just want to know when we're getting back on course. And then end of conversation, basically. I I think the, the, the the really interesting thing I took away from this is that they've been very deliberate in only showing us these two with these letters okay and obviously the one that mora has isn't addressed to her it's addressed to henry and the fact that ike produces an identical letter yeah um when she leaves makes me think that maybe henry was the captain of the prometheus and mm-hmm. obviously her brother was on the prometheus okay which then begs the question how on earth does she have a copy or how, how does she have the letter that the captain of the prometheus would have been would have been sent if he if indeed he was sent it given it sank um but um but they're def i think they're definitely trying to draw comparisons between this henry character whoever they may be and ike given they're the only two people that we've seen with letters addressed to them okay yeah um interesting uh is that a theory yes henry is slash was the captain of the prometheus that's on the, that's on the matrix oh fantastic uh love it also ike has a gun that's important i'm assuming yes. well in fact yeah. he has a, he's waving it around like nobody's business by the end of this episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, i actually did think to myself straight away check off gun and then within like 20 minutes he just he's pointing <laughs> yeah. at everyone he's pointing at an eight year old yeah <laughs> yeah that's oh, the drink. We'll get that's to that. the drink. We'll that's get the... to that boy. Yeah, that's the drink doing that. Um, so <laughs> Mrs. Wilson uh, says no talking uh, to the 
uh, women from Hong Kong. What was your... Yeah, what... presumably, uh, I'm guessing because they're supposed to be Japanese and are clearly not speaking Japanese. That's my assumption on... So you on, think actually um... she might be on there like the, on this side? Yeah, she's... De- I mean, she knows the secret, so it stands to reason that she's, like, arranged their passage or or something along those lines. Okay. She might be, like... A, uh, it would it would be kind of kind of a cool term for that character if, you know, because she's kind of dressed up as this, like, high-society woman mm-hmm. if she was actually, like, a human trafficker who was just, <laughs> like... It was like, I'm a, I'm a lady, and also I smuggle humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I think that may be the direction they're going in with her. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you did say she's trouble. Um, okay. So, I, yeah, yeah, I did. You keep, we'll keep an eye on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have the big the big change of course scene um, where, yeah. where Ike comes in, says we're changing course. They all don't like it. Mrs. Wilson and Angel in particular talk about it. Um, I, I did note that immediately after being told not to speak in public, uh, immediately after Ike says we're, we're, we're turning the ship and going to Prometheus, I saw the two ladies from Hong Kong talking to each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you not listen? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. just simple. They're gonna get. They're gonna get found out. I mean, no one hit. I. It's eighteen ninety nine. No one on this ship knows the difference between Japanese and Chinese. I would. I would. I would guess. Like no one's probably even heard those languages spoken, apart from maybe some of the high society folks. So they're probably all. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, so um, anything major in this? I like. I want to point out the fantastic uh, use of the Spanish version of Captain Capitan. That's my favorite part of the yeah, whole scene. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. That was great. <laughs> um, well, not not so much from this scene, but I will point out that the um, the dining room has like this amazing like creation of Adam looking um, like wood carving on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you know, this idea of crossing over between worlds or crossing over between whatever it is they're crossing from and to. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just uh, yeah, it's a really, a really amazing piece of artwork that I'm sure is is absolutely loaded with symbolism. Yeah, like we've seen as well, like th- these creators love a big grand room with a big image at the end, don't they? Oh, yeah. Can't can't get enough of the big big painting slash carving at the end of a room. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there we go. Lucian uh, leaves early. Um and basically yeah, freaking, out. freaking out um so he's shaking as well we notice as well um his wife comes over to him and uh sort of he just sort of uh he's shaking but he just sort of ignores her and then you know walks away from her um yeah not a good relationship not a good I think yeah, it's safe to say. not a good relationship i mean mrs wilson may be right when says like you know trouble in paradise already um okay olix eating lunch uh jerome actually we didn't even mention uh jerome coming out of the coal uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we didn't yeah. mention that. So he comes out of the coal and then he goes and gets uh, a, a bite of bread from Olek. What do you think of this? Yeah, it's, so it's it's an, it's like the most, uh, maybe not the most. I was going to say it's like the most um, obvious example we've had of the communication issues that people on this ship are having. But I guess actually what we've seen both with this scene and with the Danish lad coming up and trying to find a doctor for, for his... How, how Do we know how the pregnant lady's related to the Danish guy, actually? Just mentioning that. Not his sister. Mm, yeah, like, not yet. Like, I don't think it's it's spoiler to say, yes, it is his sister. Like, there's the yeah, core, okay, there's the the core Danish family in, in the in the show, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, but, but so, yeah, in both of those scenes, we actually see people eventually, like, overcoming... Uh, language barriers mm-hmm. um, through, you know, pretty fundamental desires for, you know, medical help or food yeah, yeah, in yeah. this case. Um, it's really interesting, Jerome and Olek, in this episode, because they kind of get, like, 
massively elevated above their station very quickly. (laughs) Well, Jerome has no station whatsoever. No, he's just pretending. He's stolen Valor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if anything. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like... The fact that there's a relationship here, I'm, I'm I'm always always down for a wacky comedy where two people can't understand each other. So I'm sure Jerome and Olak are gonna get up to all sorts, <laughs> yeah, all hijinks. sorts of hijinks. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they they do. Like obviously that's a bit later on, but like they do get swept away onto the mission to the Prometheus. Uh, yeah, yeah. I could just like. You, you two, you look fine. Come on, then. <laughs> well, see, like you know, for I, well, I suppose overall, just in general, idea for the character and me. When when I watched the first episode, I got the impression that you know he had the alcohol. He's like looking at his picture of his family. I just kind of thought like with, he seems to be actually going down a bad path, and maybe he's just stopped caring, and therefore he's just taking the path of least resistance every time. So the path yeah, of least resistance right. is to yeah. not convince his crew to come with him, and just to take these two guys. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't need the headache of that. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I'll take these two red shirts with me because if they die, no one's going to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not taking Adam Driver again. I can't deal with his whining. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, then there's a, a scene with Captain, uh, the Captain uh, Ike, and more and they're bonding yeah. on the outer deck and uh talking oh, about howdy, yeah talking about the depth of the sea four thousand meters uh they've they've yeah. they've charted every nook and cranny of the land conrad but they have no idea what's down there um yeah some more stuff they, they then they spot the prometheus and uh that's when all that sort of stuff goes on um anything about this little conversation between mora and the captain um, not massively, apart from obviously the emergence of the Prometheus. Yeah, like yeah. the way the Prometheus is presented, which I'm sure we'll get more into as they as they board it, is so cool. It's just like immediately just terrifying and ominous and just gives you this this profound sense that something is badly wrong. Yeah, and to be honest with you, this in moment in the show is when I was like this is why one of, well, not well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I love these creators. Any other show, any other show, the advertisement shows you that we're gonna ha- uh, come across a, a mysterious boat um, that's lost at sea, and then you know stuff may or may not begin to happen. That was the basically the pitch of the show. They've done that in the first half an hour, right? So yeah. like any yeah. other show, we wouldn't be getting on this boat until like episode four or five. Like that's just the fact. Yeah. This like they move at such a clip through this, and there's just so many there's so many plates spinning in this first episode. It's not just like I mean it is character introductions, like they're doing you know the standard kind of writing of like here's all these characters. We'll give you a little sort of tidbit of each of their character, each of their personalities, so you know uh, or you get to know them. But while they're doing that, they're also setting up these like interpersonal dramas. They're setting up like little kind of um like quirks about the characters that power just, dynamics yeah as well. they do, power dynamics yeah they just do, they do so much with like there's such an economy of script writing to what they do is 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 legitimately like amazing how much they're able to fit in to i didn't even know how long this is is this an hour and, was it, it was like almost oh, exactly an hour this episode yeah yeah, so like an hour of TV, it's it's unbelievable how much they get into it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, okay, so what I thought just before they go on the boat was hilarious was uh, they took the priest. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That guy's definitely not a real priest. Let's, <laughs> like, there's there's no way. Like, his, well, his, his brother said you're a, you're a priest. Remember? <laughs> yeah, you're a priest. Remember? Which I was just like, that's great. Like. like <laughs> It like he murdered a priest or whatever he did to get that uniform, but uh, yeah, like he, that that guy is a massive coward. As are uh, 
Adam Driver and uh, Beard Simon Pegg, they they refuse to come as well, uh, which is, I, I I would call an act of insubordination, to be honest. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'm not in the navy. Yeah. Okay. So before we get to the Prometheus, there's one more little scene between uh, Angel and um, and Cresta. Oh yeah, Cresta the Danish. Yeah. Uh, so it's through the cage. They lock the lower class passengers in the cage. I know that's wild. I guess that probably is accurate though, right? I've not I've not looked it up, but I I would assume. Well, they'd have to keep that's they'd how have to they keep them down there somehow. Like keep the riffraff from wandering around the upper, you know, mixing. Yeah, exactly. Well. I can, I can, they, yeah. they saw tight. Wait, when did when did the Titanic crash? Nin- it was after Nineteen this, right? eleven or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they hadn't they hadn't seen the Titanic romance at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they'd had a few they'd had a few close run things where like kind of roguish lower class members had romanced upper society ladies, and they're like, we gotta lock them in. We can't have <laughs> yeah, this going lock on. Them in. <laughs> so he gives him uh, a cigarette. Um, yes, and they. they... Him, oh, he'd like to give him more than the cigarette, I think. But oh, so you think there's something going on there? Oh yeah, I mean, the, the you know, this scene is shot so sensually. <laughs> like it's all it's all mouths and soft focus and like people rubbing each other and stuff. Like there's definitely I I don't know whether this is what um, Angel is running away from. Um, I I feel it. It, it, like my my kind of like uh, ignorant brain is like uh, if you were, if you were gay in like turn of the century Europe, maybe that would have been enough cause to have to run away. But I kind of hope there's more to his character than that. I hope it's not just I'm gay and I'm not accepted yeah. by you know people in Spain, so I'm having to leave because I that that would maybe feel like a a waste of uh, a setup for a cool character. But definitely like the 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 fact that they're you know very heavily implying that he's romantically interested in this in this danish guy is uh yeah another another wrinkle to the character yeah yeah, yeah exactly i think and as you say yeah the economy of our script is so good that these characters are getting built so quickly um okay so uh boarding the boat then uh franz wants to yeah. go onto the boat onto the ship he does and he's uh told no just uh, he's ready for a fight mike doesn't even doesn't even entertain it he's just literally like for a second to st- i would no you stay here i <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with the lack of man management here. Like I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I was like, he doesn't give. I, I, like, I understand on one side, you can't brook any challenges to your authority. You don't yeah. have to explain every action you take. But Franz is a key a key member of the team here, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's and he doesn't stick, even no Mike doesn't even give him a reason. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't give him a reason. He's like, I'm not taking them because I think I value them more than you. I'm taking them because I don't care if they die. Like yeah. that's what that's what he should have said. He's just to like, Fran. no, take, just taking them, just taking them. Uh, yeah, definitely. Franz needs a bit of a carrot rather than the stick all the time. Like, yeah, he needs an arm around the shoulder. Yeah. Like, like... <laughs> he's literally just a getaway driver now. Yeah, that's all he is. He's there. He's there to maybe. I guess I, I'm assuming he's the first mate, so he's there to become captain of the of the Kerberos if something goes wrong. Basically, at this point. Yeah, he's like the designated survivor. Um, Okay, so uh, they search on the ship. Um, I- yeah. Ike finds like a little piece of uh, fabric or something on the ground. Yeah, with like a floral pattern on it or something. Floral, which is, yeah. it's the it, there's a there's a pronounced change in his um, demeanor at that point as well. Like you see, it seems to or it literally takes his breath away. Which do we don't read what's in his letter, do we? We just see we just see that he has a letter, right? Um. No, yeah, we don't see what's inside it at, the, at this point. Just that they on the, I think on the back it also says the lost is found thing or whatever. What is lost will be found. Okay, so I guess that there's probably 
that he maybe he's also missing someone who is on the Prometheus, um, or, or is related to someone who is on the Prometheus, and this is some kind of um, th- this is some kind of uh, token of of theirs or something like okay. that. Interesting. Um, okay, so let me see. The, okay, before we just go p- full on into this, right, the end of this episode. Um, <clears throat> There's just a little scene with the geisha again. We've already talked about it heavily, but I just wanted to mention yeah. there she's learning Japanese. As well as that, um, there's a line that I wanted to mention because I've got a little thing I want to say about it. Uh, so she says something to the effect of, I might have got this one or two words wrong here, but it'll be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. It's not the end. Okay. Yeah, I love that. I love, I love that idea as well. And I, I think that's not original yeah. to this writer. I think this potentially no. uh that is like just a quote that exists in the world but but i will say immediately when i heard that uh i was like well that's the line we're all going to be going back to after season three finishes and saying <laughs> yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah i feel i i was i literally wrote it down and i was like all right okay so we'll cut well i'll see you in 36 episodes time <laughs> <Yeah>. quote <laughs> like, exactly yeah so that's how i feel about it it was like just it felt like such a weighty line that has so much meaning to yeah. it um yeah it was great okay so we're basically in the end game of this episode now um they still yeah. really start ramping up the mystery now so there's a mysterious uh wet man climbs onto the onto the onto the uh kerberos um yeah. first of all where has he come man. from well he's come from the he's come from the prometheus let's let's be honest about like so okay first things first like a theory that i haven't actually mentioned yet here is the i love the interior of the prometheus the way that is shot the atmospheric lighting the seaweed everywhere like the rust and dis- disarray it's just like br- a brilliant it brilliantly like kind of tells you what has happened to this ship which mm-hmm. is which is that it did sink and has risen from the depth somehow because why the fuck would there be seaweed and rust everywhere <laughs> like otherwise like were they just decorating it with seaweed <laughs> for like a enchantment under the sea dance i don't think so i think <laughs> like, i think i think it's been under the ocean so the guy who comes aboard, I've got a lot of thoughts of him. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow them all now. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll, 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 I'll litter them throughout our talk. But he swam from the, like he was a crew member from the Prometheus because he's wearing the same kind of jacket I think that the Ike's wearing, which, given they're from the same shipping company, which isn't it just like, isn't it just called like the Steam Shipping Company or something? Like when we, when they get the telegram. Yeah, the, the North. I think it's like the Atlantic, North Atlantic Shipping Company or something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. It's not a very imaginative name. No. But given they're all, they all work for the same company, it stands to reason that the crew for all the ships wear the same uniform as well. So he's wearing a big trench coat with the collar up, very much like Ike. I think it might be Henry, um, based on based on um, the fact that he like, if my theory is correct, and only the captains of these ships received these letters. Um, then uh, this would it, this guy might be Henry. He might just be a crew member of the Prometheus. Mm-hmm. He might like, but um, but I think he yeah, I think he's definitely in the crew. Um, I also think it stands to reason that he was the one who was sending the signal. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me. Given that it stops as soon as they turn up, which is which is really wonderfully creepy as well. Just as an aside. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, because I was going to ask that, because obviously they come across the machine and it is sort of battered or, you know, broken. So he, yeah. he stops sending the signal uh, and then and then presumably you think that he then destroys the machine or maybe he was using a different machine uh, and then and then sort of hightails it over to the Prome- over to the yeah. Cobra. 
I I think so. Although, admittedly, the the machine being destroyed was a bit of a curveball because it doesn't look like it was destroyed recently. Like it looks mm. pretty out of nick. Um, but I still think I I maybe that's just me not understanding what he's done to it. Um, but yeah, I, I think he he must have been the one sending the signal because. As far as we can tell, there's only one one other person on this ship, and they are not in a position to send uh, telegram signals. Yeah, yeah, they're locked in a cupboard. Uh, okay, yeah, cool. Um, all right, so we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff going on now. Let's just like talk about this. Yes, there's a little beetle uh, they find. Yep. in the the sort of the analog, like the sort of the, the I don't know I don't know what word to use, but it's like the dining room of the other ship, right? So they they, yes. they find a little beetle. It then uh, walks into or underneath the door of a cupboard it and then there's big bangs on the cupboard door um and they open it up and there's a little boy inside um yeah a little uh sort of i don't know sort of tim burtony looking boy and he comes out yeah and he uh and he's got a little little pyramid with him little black pyramid and he um he goes to give it to mora yes Mm -hmm. okay so Hold on, I'm gonna take a drink of I'm gonna take a drink of juice before I do this because I know I'm about to talk. Get ready, listeners. All right, I'm about to talk for about ten minutes here. Hold on. Yeah, and I think Jefferson Airplane was playing as well uh, as the montage when it this did happened. start. Yeah, it was lovely. So lovely, lovely, lovely little scene. Morris sees the beetle. Yeah. Um, which will come. I'll mention it now because it's going to come back later. So, the flash of a beetle in a hand that Morris saw earlier when she was talking to Tova, Ada. Um, Ada. Um, yes. Okay. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. Ada was. I'm fairly sure the same shot that we see of the beetle in the wet man, wet man's hand, wet Henry's hand, um, as he goes to let it into room one one o or one o one three. I think. Yeah. Um, is what we. I've got in my notes here one o one three and one o one one. So yeah, I think you're probably right, <laughs> right <laughs> about the <laughs> the room numbering thing. Um. But so we see that shot um, earlier in the episode and then we see it here. Now, the fact that it's implied that Mora is having those things projected into her mind to me says she has experienced this before because it's it's she she's basically like having flashes of things that she already has experience of, which kind of reaffirmed my whole, oh, this is all a memory happening inside Mora's head okay. or some kind of like group uh, projection of a memory or something something weird like that. So that's that's point number one. Um, yeah, love the Jefferson airplane. That's great. Um, if you are aboard, this is my this is my position in life. Um, if you are aboard a creepy, formerly sunken ship, and there is a strange boy barred <laughs> from the outside inside a cupboard, do not release the boy. Like, that's <laughs> do my, not release that, the boy. That's, <laughs> under no circumstances should that boy be released because he's in there for a reason so um okay so i have a theory about who this boy is and i think i've talking about mrs mrs wilson being trouble the the boy is going to be trouble i think as well <laughs> and to do this i have to i, I don't want to keep harking back to dark because we want this to be a separate thing yeah. but we know from dark that these creators have played with um, played with stories where characters are uh, represented in more than one period of their lives. And we know that the beetle leads Mora to the cupboard that had the boy in it, and then immediately, or almost immediately, see the man who has just swum to the Kerberos 
uh, deploy, it's the only word for it, his own <laughs> Deploy <people>. the beetle. <laughs> like, like a fucking yeah like a like some kind of drone um he, he deploys it and Deploy it goes and unlocks the door to room 1013 so i think the boy they just released and the man who swam aboard the kerberos are the same person 30 i mean I, i'm not gonna say 33 i'm not gonna do it but they do look about they do look about 33 years apart in age like um i also think that when when the boy which I'm, I'm assuming you're going to ha- want to have something to say on, but when the boy hands a totally normal obsidian pyramid thing to Mora, he he appeared to have uh, like little kind of like blood stains on his wrists, very similar to what Mora has. Um, and it made me think that that boy slash man is also trapped in the medical facility Mora is in. And then made me start thinking, okay, maybe everyone on this floor is in the same room in on the ship as they are in the medical facility like uh, or something along those lines that's still kind of really nebulous yeah, i'm yeah, trying yeah, to form yeah. that one cool but just the fact that the boy has the kind of strap or, or wounds on his wrists that seem to be from the same kind of straps that mora has or may- maybe it was just some random blood on his wrist i don't know but um th- they sh- very clearly show his wrist and his shirt seems to have a bit of blood in it made me think okay yeah, yeah. there's a there's a lot going on there's a lot going on in this scene. In conclusion, yeah. Okay, so your but okay, so your theory is that the wet man who swims across, as well as the little boy they find in the cupboard, are in fact the same person. And, yeah, I, I yeah. think I think they've them releasing him has set in motion a chain of events that will then lead to him being able to get off of the Prometheus and get on board their ship. Okay, um, and are you viewing this? as a potential time travel show or are you viewing maybe he'll go into the hyperbolic time chamber for a bit or yeah i don't i don't think it's going to be time travel although i did literally write down we doing time travel again boys but like i don't <laughs> i don't think it will be because i think they'll they're they they're the like in everything they've done they seem to be interested in like kind of messing with the chronology of the thing they're doing but not always explicitly f- with time travel yeah so I think given this is this appears to be happening within the framing device of whatever's going on with Mora and her dad in that sanitarium or wherever it is they, they are, I think maybe it's more like you can project yourself into these dreams at various points in your life or something along those lines. I'm not sure, but I don't think mm, it will be okay. as explicit as I'm getting in a time machine and going back in time, but I think maybe the result will effectively be the same thing for the story that we're that we're witnessing okay awesome um brilliant that's that's a big swing that's so that's a big swing yeah so that's pretty much the end of the episode uh first yeah. first episode of 1899 in the bag there for the breakdown um so yeah what we're going to do now is we are going to Go through. I just want you to read out your theories, basically. So you've okay. you've given us little hints as we went through. I just want you to open your theory matrix up and literally just read us your your, your theories. How many have we got this episode? Okay. Uh, so there's uh eight. Okay, let's eight for the first episode. Yeah, eight. So if we continue that. That there's means we'll have sixty four by the end of the one season. Yep. 
so uh, yeah we're, we're doing well we're getting <laughs> like, we're, we're off to a good start so i don't know if i actually mentioned this but so the first theory um was uh the kerberos i didn't actually write down i i, I removed the the this show will have a boat in it because i was like i can't have that that's not allowed <laughs> that's cheating. so but, but to be honest with you that- you didn't watch anything like you like i like we are taking that out but you didn't watch anything before you started this so therefore yeah the fact that you sort of nuke somehow it was probably through like something that i said at some point accidentally maybe but like well you didn't we'll, actually we'll see how the see scoring it. goes yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of the the bag. if i need the points yeah. i'll argue for it yeah but okay so first first theory the kerberos will sink before it reaches new york so i think i think that that whatever memory mora is being forced to relive um will end with something uh something catastrophic happening to the curve okay interesting um number two uh mora is being subjected to some kind of invasive memory process by her father because she survived the shipwreck and saw something that he wishes to know more about Mm. so it's kind of following on from that yeah um Theory three, the Cantonese woman is dressed as a geisha but isn't who she seems. So we kind of talked about that before. Yeah, so if any, um, any new listeners to uh, this format, uh, Conrad does make theories as he watches episodes. So therefore, he can get points for things that come true later in the episode. We all trust Conrad around here. If you don't trust Conrad, you, you, you unsubscribe and get out of here because this, is a, this, is, a, this <laughs> yeah. is a Conrad trusting zone, all right? Yeah. Listen, I wrote about thinking there were going to be mutant insect aliens in the third se- or second season of Dark and I put that in the theory yeah. if this man's right. cheating if, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if I'm cheating I'm not doing it well let's put it, let's put it that way um, okay so again this one was kind of confirmed in the episode I think but the Prometheus did sink but rose from the depths somehow yeah, okay. um, I feel like that's all but confirmed at this point uh, the man who swam to the Kerberos from the Prometheus was a member of its crew. So I haven't actually put the captain there, but I, I do. Keep it open for yourself. I do think it's. Mm-hmm. I do think it's Henry. Um, the boy they just released and the man who swam to the Kerberos are the same person. Uh, the boy slash man is also trapped in the same medical facility as Mora. I'm going to get rid of the eye there because it does say Moira. Um, and the <laughs> last one, I haven't actually talked about this one yet, but to uh, we got to I'm gonna I'm gonna end the show. Well, it's not quite the end of the show yet, but I'm going to end this section of the show with a showstopper. It's the only way to do it. (laughs) I talked about in Dark, I don't know if you remember this, but there was like an album called Tabula Smaragdina, which is like a text that talks about uh, like the Prima Materia and like the Philosopher's Stone. And I went down like a really big loop a uh, rabbit hole in dark being like oh what's the prematuria what like what's the philosopher's stone and imagined that there was like a, a literal philosopher's stone which there wasn't it was much more metaphorical yeah, yeah. and then in, thi- in this <laughs> a little creepy boy literally hands mora a big stone which i was like come on now <laughs> so, send me so, down there again the, the last theory i have is that stone is the philosopher's stone <laughs> so and it's gonna the, the, we're gonna have some kind of I mean like these guys like uh, ba- these guys I mean Barbara and Yon Fries have a habit of interpreting like this idea of like this kind of ether of existence mm-hmm. in lots of different ways you know in dark it's that kind of I can't remember the name of the uh, the the chemical that's created now but the, the thing one three seven I think season one three seven yeah uh, that that, that uh, enables time travel it kind of gives you the reins of a kind of primordial power to, mm-hmm. to alter the universe. And I think 
they're probably going to do something similar here. I don't think it's going to be time through time travel, as I've said, but I think the results might look quite similar. And I think this stone that has been handed to her is going to be in the same way that the Cesium-137 is in Dark. Mm-hmm. I think this stone here is going to be like really fundamental to harnessing that power, um, whatever it may be, because you know it's a cool black pyramid, which... You know, that's probably important. <laughs> yeah, that's probably important. <laughs> All right, well, there we go. That's Conrad's theories. Thank you very much for them. All right, really quickly, uh, we're going to do What the Dub. So What the Dub is a segment which I, I watch the show in the dub because I've already seen it before. So I'm going to watch it in the dub and I'm going to let you know if anything funny happens. There won't be one every week, but when I do have something to say, I will say it. So there are two What the Dubs today. The first thing is is that this is not really funny, but it's just that the the watching it with the dub completely takes away the idea that they can't understand each other, okay? So okay. It's, it's just like two people speaking at each other in English. Uh, oh, and, that's... Yeah, I've not even thought about and, that. This and, is going to be great. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they just can't understand... Like they, they can't understand what they're saying, but us as the audience are like, you can, because you're just speaking the same language. So it doesn't really work. That theme of the show doesn't really work. That's the first thing. Yeah, um, and I think we all understand why that doesn't work. This is this is the funny part, right? And this is what really and I and I going to be honest with you. I was taking notes, so I'm I'm a bit embarrassed to tell you how long this took me to realize, right? And it really was off-putting. The characters that speak two languages, right? Yeah. So Ike, for example, speaks a lot of English and German. They dub his English as well. What? They dub his get- English as well. I guess I suppose it makes sense. It does, because, but like, it's really it'd be really jarring to suddenly get Andreas Peachman speaking like uh, speaking English. But like I do get it. But at the same time, I'm like, could they not have just like tried to get like a German man to dub uh, his <laughs> his German parts? Because it's yeah. just obviously they're just all American, right? So, but like yeah. it was having watched it, I was like you had the opportunity to have this scene all in English and now people are watching it. And even because because it's a, a different track, right? It's a different, uh, like literal different audio track. Sometimes also like Maura speaking English is slightly out of dub with her lips because it's a different oh, okay. it's a different track that they've done. So like, it just completely takes me out of it. Everyone knows I don't like the dub and most people probably don't like it. But if, if that's how you want to enjoy the show, however you enjoy the show is fine. But those two things for me, really out the gate was like okay this is yeah this is going to be d- what's, um, dangerous again what what's the what's the quality of the voice actors like this time around because in dark they were famously bad yeah so it's we don't have anything quite as bad yet i will say okay. that like we'll wait and see if, if there's a character with like a really i suppose the problem is is that some like the the bit the, the sort of the guy at the start of the the show saying wake up um I, that yeah. old guy he's the only guy so far that i could imagine he, like he's got a bit of sort of a, a specific voice uh like anton lesser yeah so him being dubbed would have been weird because they you know because obviously in dark with noah noah's meant to be like hello i am noah and then and then yeah. they dubbed it with a guy going hi i'm noah and that was weird <laughs> but but like with this one um the character who I've met so far, who I think would sound weird in a dub, actually already speaks English. So I haven't had actually had that yet. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see how badly they screw up some of the characters in this. Um, 
or yeah, you know, or like what terrible voices they give, or what what terrible voice actor they give to like the the Chinese yeah. uh, the Chinese characters. We'll wait, we'll wait and see. Oh, actually, he's just American, really. I think. Um, all right. Okay. So that was what the dub. Hopefully, we have one next week, or hopefully not. I don't know which way to which way to hope for it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how they do. Yeah. Okay, so we have a new segment uh, now, and that is Conrad going to preview the next episode. What he thinks will be in it. He's pre-recorded this, so I can shut my ugly mug for here for a while. And let Conrad take it away. Hello, what a what a journey that was, eh? Or and or what a disappointing podcast episode, depending on where you've landed on it. Um, I'm sure you enjoyed it. Come on, it's us. It would have been great. Um, okay, so this is the this is the part of these new things that we're doing, where I talk about what I think is going to happen next. Um, without having discussed anything with Anthony. So I'm talking about this having just... Well, not having just. It was like a day ago. Day ago? Two days days ago. I've recently watched the first episode of 1899. So I've got it fresh in my memory, but it's all still just my thoughts percolating in my head rather than um, something that has maybe come up as a result of talking with Anthony. So we'll see how this goes. This might age really poorly because we might talk about something in the main body of the episode that you've just listened to that completely disproves what i'm about to say and i just haven't thought about it at this point but worst case scenario i look like an idiot and you should all be used to that by this point so um coming out of episode one of 1899 the ship uh, a couple of thoughts then first thought a lot of people have scarred faces in this show uh, which seems very deliberate i don't know if there's anything up with that maybe it's just a way of denoting class or position within um the kerberos but that stood out to me that everyone seems to be bearing scars and um there's theories that I'm sure I've just gotten into in the main episode to do with uh, what Kerberos means in Greek and, and, and the use of you know Greek myth in the naming of the ships that, that maybe hint at elements of like a, a lost like kind of afterlife situation going on here. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I, on a more kind of meta level, I love the inclusion of lots of languages in this show. I think they're really well blended together. And I think more than that, dark was a very popular show for for a non-English speaking um, or a non-English language show. I, I wonder if 1899 is going to be the sort of next stepping stone for Baron Baradar and Jan Fries to really catch on in a mainstream way because obviously there is some, some English in it and um, unfortunately you kind of have to speak English um, in your shows for more people to watch it. That's purely anecdotal. I don't actually know if that's true, but that feels like the case that... Um, that English-speaking um, or English-language shows do better because they're more accessible to more people. And I really hope this does catch on because, based on this first episode, it's going to be a banger. Um, okay, production and costume design is brilliant. I love love this kind of period. Like, it looks like it's kind of late Victorian, early... What would it be? Georgian after that? No, it's not Georgian. Edwardian? I don't know. I should know my own, my, my own periods of history. Um, but uh, I love the production design. The costume design is fantastic. The ship design is fantastic. And as was the case with Dark, um, everywhere you look, there's something that's kind of filling in little, like shading in little corners of the lore that you might notice in the background of shots that I really, really love. So that's excellent. And I'm sure that will continue into the second episode. Um, As with Dark after the first episode, I don't really have a good sense yet of where this is going, but the mysteries are definitely already captivating. There's stuff about potentially philosopher's stones, literal philosopher's stones, um, depending on what I think that was handed to Moira was. Uh, There's this sort of inception-like dream 
thing going on with the framing device of Moira in some kind of old mental health facility in the mountains in like Norway or wherever that was shot um, or uh, I don't know it might be like Scotland or something I might be miles off but it looks like it's probably in Scandinavia somewhere um, yeah I, I don't really know what's happening yet but that was a really good first episode dare I say it maybe even better than the first episode of Dark um, I don't want to I don't want to get too excited but I watched that and immediately went and watched it again with with my partner so that was a good sign and I can't wait for the next one so uh, yeah This is Comrade signing off, and I will see you same time, same place next week. Wow, Conrad, they were absolutely lovely thoughts you've just given there. Um, So thanks very much, guys, uh, for sticking around for this first one. We'll be back with seven more. Every week we'll be releasing another one. If you have questions for Conrad, if there's anything that sparks my interest in the comments next week, I can ask it to him. We're not going to do a whole questions episode like we used to but if there's one or two i might ask them to him so uh let me know in the comments if there's any anything you want me to ask him conrad how was it how was it being back uh it's amazing to be back um i actually said i was gonna lead off with this and i don't think i did so i'm just gonna i'm gonna like d- do a, a mic drop of a statement to close out yeah. our first episode obviously it's lovely to be back and like talking about about uh these two making uh, making a series again because it's amazing and it's lovely to be talking about it with you and and our listeners again i actually think this is better than dark don't at me like I, I that first episode better than the first episode of Dark. Than, yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. Obviously, I don't know them. Like, <laughs> maybe it'll be terrible. Uh, how disappointing would that be if it's like from episode two onwards? Was like, well, this is awful. Like, we've made a terrible mistake doing this, but um, somehow I don't think it will. I, I think like that first episode. I think the, the they nail the period setting, like the costumes, the set design is all amazing, and that stuff's really fun. Music's still great. The writing is still great. Performances are great. Like everything about this, I'm just mm-hmm. like. Yep, ticking all the boxes so far. Yeah, and I just know what the internet's like, so I just want to say this. Conrad absolutely loves Dark, okay? Con- Conrad, <laughs> lo- it's one of his favorite TV shows of all time. Just because he says that he preferred the first episode of this one to the first episode of Dark, as he said, don't at him. Okay, so there we go, guys. That's the first one. Uh, let us know. We, we can do like a clickbait video of like, <laughs> yeah, Conrad yeah. hates Dark. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we've started this episode off with like a just over an hour long. Uh, when I finish the final edit, we'll see. But I think it's just over an hour long, this episode, which when compared to our first one for Dark is around the same. Um, yeah. So that's actually pretty good. So we didn't actually overshoot by too much. You will notice we do yeah. go into a lot of detail here, guys. So if you like that, uh, stick around. But apart from that, uh, that's what I always say at the end of these thank you very much uh, for coming along with the ride with us we're looking forward to episode 2 Conrad's crazy theories have already begun and they're going to go crazy places so thanks very much goodbye goodbye <laughs>